What is up, everybody? Thank you for listening. This is Suds Buds Presents Pints and Pixar, the show where we chat about the films of our childhood over an adult beverage, or a couple. I'm your host, Eric Anderson, and with me in studio, the other half of my tag team. Together we make up the Suds Buds. His name is Mr. Nate Uppado. What's going on, man? Oh, just ready to rock and roll. Uh, quick thing I thought about, For you sure. know, the, the, the tagline, um, uh, or the little tag uh, about films of our childhood. We're, we're kind of, we're out of that realm at this we point. We are out of that realm. We are out of that realm. We are, I mean, when did Coco come out? Coco would have been 2015, 20, no, maybe. Uh, 2017. 2017, 2017 for yeah, Coco. so we are. We're, we're old men at that point. We're men at that time. Yeah. Hmm. Big grown-ups, big boys. Big boys. Big boys watching big boy movies. I, I guess. Yeah. You know, well, but, hey, you. we remember the video- movies of our childhood, you know? Remember yeah. me. That's true. Yeah. It's true. It's a callback. Well, it's, a, it's foreshadowing, not a callback. Well, and for all you adults out there, driving adults specifically, this episode is brought to you from our friends over at AutoZone. AutoZone.com. Socially distant shopping with next day delivery and curbside order pickup. High quality auto parts and accessories available at great prices. Visit them today. Same day store pickup. Shop by make and model. Whatever you need. Locations near you. AutoZone. <laughs> do we do we let, bring everybody in on this? Do we want to bring everybody in on what we're doing here? Oh, no. We just... Uh, yeah. AutoZone is our first sponsor. And uh, yeah, you know, we, you know, we appreciate yeah. what they do. You'll be seeing a little AutoZone branding in, in correlation with the Suds Bud stuff if you uh, follow us on Instagram. But uh, yeah. We're going to, you know... Got some free wipers the other day. That was pretty dope. Hey, as a man that drives a beater, it's nice to have a car shop looking out for you. You know, getting mechanic pricing and whatnot. Get your zone, auto zone. Auto zone. Love those guys. <laughs> and they love what we do, so. Apparently. Big fans of beer and Pixar movies, these well, guys. Beer, Pixar movies, and cars. They go together perfectly. Well, that's true. Don't drink or watch Pixar while you drive. Yeah. Auto zone. Unless you... <laughs> Watching cars, in which case I feel like you're in a moral gray area. Yeah. I don't know. If you got a Tesla and you want to watch little cars while you're driving, you know. Do they? Can't fault you. No, because like a friend of mine, when I was growing up, he had like one of them, them fancy sound systems, like the screen would pop out. Oh, yeah. Like you'd hit the button and come out fast and furious type shit. And then it got stolen. No, um, but it, it had like a block, like it, if the car was part you could watch a movie on it right but if the car was like like in drive or i don't don't remember exactly there was something where the car would like it would block that feature once like a certain signal came through but like he for some reason turned like he figured out where that was and he turned that off so like you could we never did it but like you could just have a movie in while he's driving and it wouldn't matter that's dangerous yeah it was kind of dumb don't like now that. I kind of wish I would have watched that, you know, the cars scene, Life is a Highway. Oh, man, you know? yeah. yeah. Just set the cruise control and... Yeah, rip Rascal Flats. Yeah, say a prayer. Yeah, R.I.P. R. Rascal Flats. Did they die? No. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Were they watching know. cars while driving? <laughs> while drinking Suds Buds. Oof. At, uh, don't at bring Auto- us into this. At AutoZone. This will be like the third episode in a row where I say, I don't want to be brought up in a Suds Buds related court case again. <laughs> You just uh, you're that's just in my in rear there. view now, because life is a highway. 
and uh, I want to ride it to AutoZone all night long. They only paid for so many spots, and you're just <laughs> fucking pissing them all away right at the top of the show. It's not not our format. Whatever. You're not the boss of me. If you, if you hate your boss, go to AutoZone. We'll talk about this in our meeting tonight. Okay. Uh, do anything fun this weekend? Um, what did I do this weekend? No, we just uh just big event. Played a little um little fundraiser thing in Apple Valley. Uh, that was kind of fun. Got together with some people, old friends. The little food shelf benefit. Um, yeah, ate a lot of good barbecue. Uh, played a lot of played a bunch of half of or the first half of a few Tenacious D songs. That was kind of weird, but like fair. Right. The the guitar player, like he just like rattles them off he knows like the first half of it but like normally he never gets to get to the second half before people make him stop so he doesn't know the second half so he just plays the first half all right yeah yeah you know it made sense when he laid it out for me like that yeah what about you what you got going this weekend Uh, weekend? (laughs) really not 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 much a lot of work Lot of work. Nothing worth noting. When I wasn't working, I was sleeping. So one of those weekends. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fall. Fall's cool. I like the fall. I'm wearing a sweater today. Actually, feels, feels good. On Sunday, went to a. Me and the roommate walked to Modest, and then um, we hit Gray's right next door. Okay. Kind of a weird spot. Like there's a bunch of like food windows. Like kind of looks like a food truck kind of style thing. I don't like know Grays. Four or five of them is fine, um, but they are having a a weird tap takeover of their own, um, where they just brought as many Oktoberfests into the bar as they could. Jeez, which was pretty jazzed about. Um, only ended up having like one there because it was super windy outside and super loud inside. But uh, he had one from. Um, I don't remember the, the cidery name, but it was a a pumpkin spice cider, which off the bat, I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not, this ain't going to be it, but Pretty it good? was really good. Do you remember who it was from? It was somewhere out of Boston, I think. Okay. Um, big blue translucent tap handle. Um, but like, it was absolutely on the sweeter side. Sam like, Adams? Oh, no, no. Um, it'll come to me later. But it, uh, yeah, definitely on the sweeter side, but I've never had a cider with so much carbonation in it, huh. which was really nice. Basically, it tasted like apple cider, but it got you drunk. Damn. Yeah. They did pretty, pretty got pretty good job on that. Any, uh, cider listeners, cider drinking listeners out there, um, highly recommend milk and honey is a cidery a place that you call yeah produ- all right. yeah that's yeah. the uh, technical term all right well, oh i'm a technical you. guy so that's yeah. what i always call you <laughs> milk and honey cidery though they do a, a great job they're located in central minnesota st joseph minnesota um yeah some phenomenal ones i love their chaga chai uh it's Sugar, sugar, chai, and chai. Mushrooms and chai spice and apples, and it is phenomenal. Eric, acknowledge the thing I just did. Chugga, 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 choo choo. Chai, chai. Chai, chai. Come on. It wasn't my best bit. Yeah, like, it wasn't whatever. your best. Acknowledge, acknowledge it. I'll acknowledge it. 
Eric, pay attention. Uh, acknowledged. Uh, I think it was called Down... Yeah. Uh, Down East. Okay. Cidery. Uh, the Unfiltered Craft Cider. Huh. Yeah. That's uh, a new one to me. Yeah, it was pretty shout solid, outs, though. Huh? Shout-outs. I was a big fan of it. Um, gonna be honest, I haven't been crazy about a lot of the ciders I've had recently. So, like, it was weird having one that I actually enjoyed again i mean it was kind of like a one and done sort of thing but um yeah basically just tasted like hot apple cider but it was cold and alcoholic hot apple cider cider that's hot (laughs) cider that's hot hot apple cider well speaking of something that is not hot apple cider Mm -hmm, but uh mm -hmm. is is a little bit sweet in its own right and will pair well with uh the discussion of our film today i have in front of me founders kbs the amazing what does this say the amazing cosmickeys the amazing cosmickeys highly acclaimed kbs flavored stout uh it's good for everything flavored stout ought to be good for and it's an ale brewed with chocolate coffee and aged in oak bourbon barrels so you know and film being cocoa there being chocolate in this beer figured sure we we were talking about it actually at the liquor store and like oh we could do mexican honey and we both were like "Uh, well i think we've i think we've plugged that beer enough times yeah what is happening to my sock here look at this got like a weird frayed thing going yeah this is weird not important um but yeah we figured we couldn't plug mexican or indeed's mexican honey yet another time Pretty sure we're at like two or three on that beer. Yeah, I don't want to overdo it. Yeah. Um, still a great beer, though. Look at this pour. You know, I, I give Eric a lot of shit about the pours, but when he does a good one, you know, I'm proud of the kid. It's a reach. We'll see if I can get a good one out of this. Uh, about two-thirds, one-third right now. I think that'll level out perfectly. Mm. Okay. I think mine was actually the perfect pour on that one. You gotta share sharing those victories with people, so they maybe maybe they'll come see you at the uh, at the brewery, knowing that you can pour a beer, right? I've been told I, I pour a good beer. Well, not on this show, you haven't. Well, Michael, what's in front of you, Nate? I gotta wait for it to settle here. I'm gonna say I think you gotta wait for your uh, arms to grow so you can reach that. Ooh, okay. I think it would probably be easier for me to grab that beer and hand it across the table to you than you to actually grab that beer. <laughs> Got them little T-Rex arms. Yeah. That's what they say. <laughs> that's, that's probably why you rated Good Dinosaur so high. It was a great movie. It was pretty good. Yeah. yeah don't, don't you knock that. All right. Well, cheers, buddy. Let's Shit. Crack open that conversation. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, Man, you haven't done a plot summary of a Pixar film and in... It has been a hot minute. Well, how about I start you off? Okay. The, the film you're talking about today is uh, Coco, and it's from Pixar, which okay. is a, a Disney company. Sure. And uh, this film came out in 2017. Go. Ooh, okay. Uh, I'm just going to make it up off the top of my head. Uh, kid works at a cocoa shop. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like uh, like normal times right now. Yeah, exactly. There you go. You're just shooting from the hip. <laughs> yeah. back, to, back to our roots. Um, now, Coco... So we'll start off a uh, little little Mexican village. Um, the restaurant? The, huh? What? 
<laughs> Eric. They got good good happy hour uh, de- uh, deals. There's uh, one uh, Mexican village. Yeah, I think there's still one off of like Saint Germain and Saint Cloud. Oh, there you go. Uh, I don't know about the little part. It's Mexican village, but there's two of them. That might be the smaller location. I think people call it the little Mexican village. Yeah, like ninety nine cent chips and guac. If you go there from like three to nine, it's a long happy hour. Don't they do? I mean, ninety nine cents for guac. Yeah. Guac's. If I'm gonna be honest, hot takes from Nate. Guac is possibly the most overrated dip that there is. You take that back. I will not take that back. What do you put above it? At literally any dip. Pretty much any dip that goes with a a tortilla chip. (laughs) I don't don't know. Absolutely. Queso, absolutely. Pico, absolutely. Speaking of uh, salsa, salsa Dave mm-hmm. is going to have some sort of an opinion on this. That's because why it's not Guac Dave. He uh, he's got a podcast himself. I think it's Down with the Dipness. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know if he's re- done a Guac episode yet, but I'd be willing to bet he has a stance on it. I'm a Guac guy. Hey, like Guac at its best is like, oh, okay, it's like a weird green paste thing, like flavor wise. I don't think avocado's got a whole lot of flavor. Guac at its best is better than a good salsa. No. No. Yeah. Guac at its best is like, okay. <laughs> you it said is... that was such disgust. Yeah. At like it's not something that like I'd actively avoid, but it is something that I am not willing to pay any money for or go out of my way to get. And like people are like, oh, you just haven't had like good guac, and then they bring me somewhere to get good guac. I'm like, okay, that tastes like every other guac. I've well, had. what are like all your go-to dips then? Go-to dip? I'm I'm a salsa man myself. So, but I think you said guac is like I forget what your wording was, but you said like a subpar dip or a low-tier dip or no? Like... I said it's the most overrated dip. Yeah, but the only other dip you can cite in its place that would be above it is salsa. We got buffalo chicken dip. Or are we talking just strictly like tortilla in a restaurant? I'm just saying dip. dips, man. Uh, yeah, all, in all dips, it's way down there. But really, it is probably like last ranked with something I get at a restaurant. You a ranch guy? No. You a uh, blue I cheese mean, guy? Blue cheese, sure. Ranch a queso guy? Ranch can get overdone super quick. Sure. But like a good buttermilk ranch? Come on. Come on. I'm, Come on. I'm, I don't want to say I'm not trying to nitpick because that's basically exactly what I'm doing. But uh, it, yeah, it was just confused when you said it's a overrated dip. And then I asked, you're just like, well, I like salsa better. I mean, that. No, it like I said, even at its best, like guac is like avocado is kind of like tofu where it doesn't really add any flavor. It's just kind of a filler. Like, what does avocado taste like? Um, it's a good question. You've had avocados before, right? Yeah. Like, it's kind of buttery. It's kind of earthy. It's, yeah. Like a, a very average weird green paste. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't add any flavor to the dish. So, at that point, then we're talking texture. But a good avocado, you got some jalapeno, you got some onion, you got some cilantro. Much like you got some tomato, much like tofu, where it offers nothing, but it's like it offers nothing to the dish other than literally like, like a texture. All right, right, like it's there's nothing there. 
it doesn't do anything for the dish. The dish has to happen at it for it to be like acceptable. Sure. Right. You don't, you, but like maybe I just hate all avocados. I don't know, but guac for sure. It's like, I, it's a lot of, it's not even that much work, but it's more work than it's worth. Okay. Yeah. It's an overrated dip. I mean, I, I like salsa, like in all forms. I like a sure. green salsa better, but I like, if we're just talking your standard red, like mm-hmm. Tostitos salsa, like sure. good, but I would rather have guac, but I don't think salsa is underrated. I think it's a fine dip. If I'm thinking about a bad dip. I'm like thinking like, well, but like f- fun. Let's like, let's or, talk, let's talk, wait, fun dip. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Or, uh. I don't know. Maybe like off the shelf yellow queso. Honestly, even that, I'd probably take over guac some most of the time. Yeah. Like, it is What's wrong with you. Well, like I think that's the other thing is like, you know, let's say you go to like your your run of the mill Mexican restaurant, right? Yep. You get chips and salsa. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, do you want to pay like three dollars for guac, or do you want to pay three dollars for queso? You're gonna pay the three dollars either way. What if you you're get, insane if you if don't you pick get all the queso. three? Are you just not gonna touch the guac? Like I said, it's not that I actively avoid guac. It's just out of the like, if we're gonna have, let's just say we got queso, salsa, and guac. Out of those three, guac is at the very bottom. Okay. And it's not like one, then the other one's right below it, then the other one's right below it. We got queso. We got salsa. Honestly, there's a little overlap there. Guac's like three steps down. Jesus. Like, you are so negative today. It's, it's not, like I said, it's not like a bad thing. It's just like a, why, what is it? What, like, this is just salsa with like weird extra like texture and steps. But like the thing that I'm paying money for doesn't add anything to the dish. <laughs> It has been a pleasure just watching you sit here and just be like, it, it's really not that I like hate guac, guys. I really, it's not that. I just, that this reasons why guac absolutely sucks in his mind brings it back around anyways. But like, I, I really don't hate this thing. It just is like really bad and like not good and like it's- well below... Oh, it's, it's what like, I don't understand people's fascination with it. Like in the realm of dips, it is average at best. I don't know if fascination is the right word either, because I wouldn't talk about you as like being a guy that's fascinated with salsa. Like that'd be a bit of a reach. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'm fascinated with salsa. Yeah. No. I wouldn't say I'm fascinated with guac. I think it's just delicious as a condiment and a dip. And I think we've gotten really far away from whatever we were on. Well, you tried to go off on a bit on my plot summary. <sighs> I, I think I, I just I struck a nerve with, with you. Like, this damn. Is a, this is a guac-free studio yeah. here in sunny California. <laughs> Chalk that up on the list of things that Nate hates. The Nate hates corner? Yeah. Um, can I, I, I'll get back to my thing here, though. So anyway, fuck guac. Um, but we start off in a little Mexican village. Eric, anything to add here? Uh, no, I think we've already established <laughs> it's a restaurant in St. Cloud. It's the smaller one. Our other two locations, and it's located off of uh, West St. Germain Street. Go check them out. Happy hour from uh, <laughs> 3 to 9. <sighs> anyway, 
Um, and we meet the main character, Miguel. Uh, Miguel's kind of doing like a, um, it's like a, a talk over for like these opening shots, basically explaining his whole family history. Um, and we learned that his great great grandpa was a musician. Um, and to pursue his dream, he went out on the road and then never came back. Um, this, and then it kind of spiraled down where because he was a musician and chased that, um, his family then essentially hated music, which was honestly kind of one of the harder to like, you know, with a lot of these movies, you like, you just kind of buy whatever they're selling. Like, I, I know people that like, aren't as into music, but like, they like actively hated it. Like, we don't listen to music. We don't talk about music. We don't like, like they don't go to the the square that is that comes up later, like the big market square, because there's so many mariachi bands around. Like, just like a weird, much like yeah, a weird hatred for music. Yeah, that was um, that was definitely a big problem I had with the family. I mean, like it. It just seemed like a weird hill to die on. And I know I'm saying this as I just went on like a 10 minute rant about guac. But like that was kind of like the hard to hard to digest part for me. Yeah. I mean, Miguel's grandma seemed like she was really like, I don't know. Just. Yeah. Actively trying to keep him from having like his own life and his own childhood. And I guess his parents were kind of that same way too. They wanted him to be like a, a cobbler, I guess, as we'll find out a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, and the cobbler part isn't, well, whatever. Um, so no, yeah, we find out the cobbler part was kind of like a weird, like detail filler where, it doesn't really come up in the movie other than, like, this first part. Like, they talk about making shoes, and, like, that's their whole bit. The hate music makes shoes, but then, like, once we get into, like, the, the meat of this movie, never comes up again. Yeah, I think it was originally supposed to have a bigger part in the film. It definitely is, um, you know, a big part that feeds to... Miguel's kind of rebelliousness um, that we'll talk about in a minute here. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, but we find out that Miguel has a passion for music, um, which he has to kind of keep hidden from his family. Um, and we find out, um, yeah, so he's got like this little secret attic area where he keeps a bunch of posters and practices songs um from this famous the world famous singer ernesto um ernesto is yeah just a really popular or was a really popular musician who died he had a bell dropped on him like a giant bell during one of his performances um but yeah so he's kind of idolized this ernesto um watches all of his movies, learns all of his songs, kind of in secret. He built, like, this makeshift guitar that he practices on. Um, but, yeah, keeping the, all of this hidden from his family. Um, 
and one day he runs down to the square to shine shoes. Um, that's kind of like his side business for his family's shoemaking business. You know, that actually makes sense. If you're like a cobbler, a family of cobblers, you send people out to like shine shoes and then like, oh, we got other shoes. I thought that was pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then he was talking to the mariachi singer who shoes he was shining and he informed him of this talent show um, to get to play in the square um, so he's very interested in that runs home starts like practicing watching some movies um, or old clips of ernesto and then tries to sneak out um, and he gets caught under or yeah hides out under what, what are the what's the table thing called um, with all the photographs. What's that? Um, um, uh, an offerenda. Mm. Yeah, offerenda, which is like, yeah, like a memorial, basically. But for, shrine. Yeah, shrine kind of thing. Um, oh, yeah, all of this is happening, like, right around uh, Day of the Dead. Um, Dia de los Muertos. Yes. Um, and so he hides out underneath their offeranda um and ends up getting discovered and his grandma then sees the guitar gets super pissed and smashes the guitar and that was a pretty intense that was an intense scene because like it's one of those it's kind of weird when pixar or when children's movies do this like you know for the most part they paint like the adults in a movie like as reasonable people you should listen to them you should you know be able to talk to them whatever but like it shows that they're also capable of you know poor judgment yes in a scene like that um and even uh, miguel's mom tries to stop her at first but she just the grandma just smashes this guitar in front of miguel miguel then runs away from home um and he wants to go play in this um in this um talent show and he's asking all of these different musicians around the area if he can borrow their guitar then you know talent shows on in a couple minutes none of them let him use their guitar uh but then he remembers that in the tomb of ernesto which is in their like square uh there is his famous guitar hanging on the wall so he breaks into that um, tomb to steal the guitar and strums the guitar and is transported to the um, afterlife essentially yeah he does the realm of the dead yeah realm of the dead and actually i forgot the, the reason they explained why he got transported um because like offerendas are kind of like this sacred thing where you're giving things to the dead you know, you're you're making offerings for them to like take when they come and visit. Um, but he received a family curse for stealing this guitar. Oh yeah. Also, at this point, he believes that Ernesto, um, the famous singer, is his father. His, or his great great grandfather. Great great. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. like he sees the guitar in the picture and kind of like starts putting two and two together. But the head of 
the head of this picture is ripped off, so he can't see who it is. Yeah, so there's a photo, and in the photo would be his great, great, great grandfather, great, great grandmother, and his great grandmother. Yeah, and his great grandmother is the titular character Coco, who is still alive. I don't know if we touched on her much, but she's um, wheelchair bound. She's kind of the oldest of the living characters. Very old, um, kind of a just adorable old lady that's just kind of. Very out of it, but, yep. you know, blissfully out of it. and um, Starting to lose her memory a little bit. A little bit, but, you know, usually seen kind of napping or smiling. I watched this film with Sam for the first time uh, this week, and I asked her a couple times, like, is that lady still alive? And she's like, yeah, just wait. <laughs> just <laughs> just okay, wait? Okay. okay. Should, picks are going to kill her on screen no, or what? No, no, I think she meant, like, just wait. She's going to mm. do some cool stuff. Okay um but anyway so he steals this guitar to try to play and that enacts some sort of curse because yes. when you steal from the dead on dios de, however you say it Dia de day of the dead yes you don't steal from the dead on day of the dead yep um and he is transported into the yeah, spirit world um which basically is on top of during day of the dead is like the dead are able to come over to the living world and like check in on their family. Their family doesn't know they're there, but like the dead can come in and like see everybody again. Yes. Um, so then I don't remember how he, how does he get to the, Oh yeah. The flower bridge. Um, so, Another tradition is it is it marigold petals? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another tradition on Day of the Dead is that they will make trails of marigold petals from the gravesite to their home, so that the dead can like track their way back. Yep. Um, but he then sees this uh, marigold. Oh no! He runs into his family. That's how. That's right. He runs into um, some dead relatives in the graveyard. Yeah. And they bring him across the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's basically these giant bridges made of these marigold leaves. And they cross over this bridge into the realm of the dead, um, which is this weird, like, I don't want to say slum, but, like, it's kind of got, like, a slum sort of stacked on top of each other vibe. Yeah, like, um, oh, what do they call it? Like a favela, like those houses that go up like mountainsides and they just kind of stack them upward. Yeah. It's kind of like that, like these massive just like skyscrapers of shanties, but they're all really cool and like very bright and decorated with lots of lights and stuff. Um, yeah. It was, it was really cool, like, yeah, really cool idea. It's very bright and lively for an area that ironically is supposed to be like the realm of the dead. Yeah, but I think that's that's part of the culture, though. Is like, Definitely. Yeah, it is, which is, I don't know, it's kind of a cool thing, like a, a brightened up afterlife sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, the way, um, the way death, um, I think is perceived in, like, Latin American, Latin American culture versus, like, um, maybe, like, Midwest, you know, Americana caucasian protestants i mean it's a very very different perception i think it's uh i've always thought day of the dead dia de los muertos was always a very fascinating 
kind of beautiful holiday and i think this movie does a really cool job of capturing it and yeah. stylizing it too and it's literally a whole holiday just devoted to like dead people yeah and it's like, like halloween but like has like a very cool like personal you know touch to it and a uh, very uh family centric aspect which i think is is super fascinating also anytime like a movie like the one that comes to mind is in one of the newer james bond movies where like he's in mexico city during um dia de los muertos yeah um and, like there's like this whole chase thing but like there's the specter yeah that might be it but like there's like the giant floats and like the giant like skeleton mechanical thing walking around just like these just crazy elaborate like yeah just a weird big festival to celebrate the afterlife yeah it's pretty fascinating all those crazy like candy skull designs or mm-hmm. i love the candy skull designs so cool big fan um but anyway so they get over to the land of the dead um he's they... introduced to who he thinks is ernesto's head here what's it no let's skip ahead here because we, we got one more part Go um so they get to the the um or they find out that um miguel's great great grandmother isn't able to cross over the bridge this year and that's because miguel accidentally took the picture that they had on the offerenda with him to the land of the dead um so because that picture is not on the offeranda, there's nowhere for her to go. She's you, you can't cross the bridge if your picture's not up on an offeranda. Is essentially the rule. If people don't remember you, or yeah, if you're not up on an offeranda, you can't come back. Um, and then we find out some other rules with it later. But um, so his fam like the, his family all gets together, and they figure out why he ended up where he ended up because he stole the guitar because he wanted to play in the square and remember all of his family hates music um so they're they have a way to lift the curse so he can go back home um is just from getting his family's blessing so they need to take a marigold leaf and hand it to him they have his blessing or they he has their blessing he can return home um and so his great-great-grandmother um, grabs a leaf and tries to get him home, but she makes a stipulation that he can never play music. Um, so he goes along with it, whatever, gets sent home, runs right back up and tries to grab the guitar again, and that sends him right back to the realm of the dead. Mm-hmm. So basically what we've learned is, yeah, the only way he can get home is if he gets a blessing from a family member, but he doesn't want to give up music, so he doesn't want their blessing. Right. So he then sets upon himself to track down um, Ernesto, uh, the you know famous musician, to get his blessing because the blessing can only come from family. So he figured if he went and got Ernesto's blessing then he could return home and still play music was kind of his whole thing. Um, so, but because his family won't, his yeah family won't allow him to do that. 
he runs away from them. That's where we meet the guy you were talking about. No, I was talking about before that. I was about to talk about what you were just saying. Oh. Yeah, about his great-great-grandmother meeting her. And oh, stuff. I yeah. thought you were going to talk about the the other character. No. Um, Hector? See. Yeah, Hector. No, no. I, so I was talking about his great-great-grandmother because I was curious because, like... It's going to be hard to have this conversation now without blowing the spoilers and stuff, but I think, you know, for anyone who's seen the movie... Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> Oops. I mean, Oops. it's been out since whatever. Yeah, 2017. Yeah. Should have seen it by now. That's what I'm saying. So, like, when his great-great-grandmother um, basically gives him the blessing on the stipulation that he must stop playing music, and then he grabs a guitar and comes back, she n- knows that his great-great-grandfather isn't Ernesto. Yeah. She has to, right? Because it would literally be her kid, Coco, the old lady, would be the huh. son of her and Hector. You know what I mean? So, like, and at no point does she, like, because the kid even mentions, like, that his dad, or that his grandpa was a, a star, and he keeps going back and grabbing his guitar, Ernesto de la Cruz. But but we find out later in the movie that that's not Ernesto's guitar. Right. But so did it, it presents a couple questions. Does is she just leading the kid along her great great grandson and making uh, uh, Miguel think that Ernesto's actually his grandpa? Is she just like, you know, withholding information? Did she have an affair with both of them, maybe? Ooh, spicy. It, it could be. Could be. I, I almost want to go back and watch that scene. It's weird. Just to, like, make like see if there was any sort of... Because that feels like a pretty glaring thing that they would have been able to pick... Or that Pixar wouldn't have let through. Yeah. Like... To anyone who hasn't seen the movie, like, I just said a bunch of names and kind of twisted them up into a weird, like, love triangle. But, like, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. There's a big reveal towards the end. You think one person's his family member. It isn't. And it's a different person. But there was some foreshadowing, but kind of not. And it's just, like, we we know that the woman that can't cross across the bridge for Dia de los Muertos, we know that that's Miguel's great-great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. And we know it's the woman from the photo. Yeah. And we know it's later revealed to be Hector in the photo and not Ernesto. So, why does she not tell Miguel right away? Couldn't it save him from a lot of trouble? True. Or is it kind of like revealing... Unless he just kept not like mentioning Ernesto... I don't know. I feel like we should go back and watch just like, because I feel like all of our answers could be pretty much summed up from when he goes to the spirit world till he runs away. Because after he runs away, then he's just running. You know, there's that one scene in the alleyway later on. Sure. But like, he doesn't, I don't think he mentions anything. But anyway, we'll get back to that. Um, But meets Hector. Yeah, so he meets Hector. Hector is a a spirit that is trying to sneak across the bridge. He's trying to like get back across. Um, but he doesn't have any pictures on any offerendas. So like he can't get back, but he does break through 
and like starts running on the pedal bridge, but then essentially gets swallowed by the bridge. Like yep. he can't cross. It's not that people aren't letting him. It's like he's physically unable. Um, but uh, Miguel overhears Hector trying to like argue or plead with a security officer saying that he knows Ernesto and he knows where he studies and he can get, or is per- performing and rehearsing. He can get him front row tickets, whatever. Um, and so Miguel hears this and him and Hector kind of team up because Miguel needs to get back or Miguel needs to get home and he needs to get to Ernesto and Ernesto, much like in the land of the living is incredibly popular in the land of the dead. Like he puts on big concerts, has like a giant, um, tower. Yeah. Basically just lives in a giant tower. Um, yeah. Hosts so, massive parties. Yeah. Um, so Hector agrees to this under the condition that Miguel, when he gets back to the land of the living, will put his picture up on an offeranda so he can cross over to the land of the living. Uh, Miguel agrees to that. And then they kind of go on a little adventure. Um, one of the bigger parts is, or they find a way that they can get into uh, Ernesto's tower which is winning a yet another um, talent show. Yep. Yeah. So that was whatever. Fine. Um, but they need to go get a guitar, and so Ernest or Hector brings Miguel to like this shanty village, um, full of basically people that don't have their pictures on any offerendas. Like they just kind of live as a family. Um, they go to see this one guy who's not doing so well. And like, this is the first time you're seeing like a dead person. That's like also sick. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and gets the guitar from him under the condition that he plays a song for him. So Hector starts playing this song for him, kind of puts the guy in peace. And then the guy dissolves, just floats off. Um, which kind of sets the new tone that if you, if no one remembers you in the land of the living, um, you fade from, if you fade from memory, you fade from existence and they call that the final death. It's real. Yes. Which is pretty crazy. It's a pretty dark thing. Yeah. Um, so then Miguel kind of, or not Miguel, Hector kind of explains like, that's why he needs to go back. You know, he wants to see his girl um, and doesn't, you know, want want to die the, the final death. Yeah. Also, just the name, the final death. I was like, Jesus, okay. Um, Heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, so then they go to the talent show from there. Um, they do pretty well. And, but then... Um, Miguel's family, who's been looking for him, kind of shows up and starts looking around, and he gets scared, and then they run off. Um, At this point, Hector finds out that Miguel could just get a blessing to go home from any one of his family members, but, but that Hector doesn't want to because they'd forbid him from playing music. And that kind of pisses Hector off, tries to get his family bring him back to his family and Miguel and Hector kind of split. Yeah. Split ways from there. Um, 
is some back and forth heart-wrenching stuff as per Pixar usual and Miguel kind of figures out a way to sneak into the tower um, by hiding with the band that won the talent show to perform in Ernesto's tower very smart yeah pretty smart um so he gets up there hops up starts playing a song to get Ernesto's attention and then he meets Ernesto Ernesto starts going around and introducing him to all these other people um and is about to give him his blessing also this whole time probably should have mentioned um Miguel is kind of on a timetable because if he is in the land of the dead at sunrise, he will just be dead from then on. Yeah, like it's just turn, crazy. Yeah, he's just so he's throughout the whole movie, he's slowly turning into a skeleton, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a weird, cool animation thing that they were doing. It really was. Um, but I gotta imagine that would have been kind of annoying. Well, not annoying, but it would have been a little tricky because you essentially have to make two character models and then stack them on top of each other. Yeah. As far as animation goes. But then, like, also have translucent parts where, like, it he's starting to become more and more skeleton. But, like, you can clearly see, like, a layer of skin over the top. But, like, it's slowly getting more and more clear throughout the movie. It was, like, a very cartoony decay. It wasn't, like, graphic or anything. It was just kind of like someone was just turning the opacity up on one of the layers, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway... Very so, cool, though. Yeah. Um, so Miguel's about to get Ernesto's blessing um, when we get uh, Hector back in the scene. Hector's also snuck into the tower and confronts Ernesto. And uh, during this confrontation, it comes out, and pretty much everybody learns that um, the reason Hector died is because in when they were living... Hector and Ernesto were like a duo and Hector wrote all the songs, you know, and it was also his guitar that was, was being, yeah, that, uh, Miguel stole earlier. It was, we figured out that Ernesto actually killed Hector, poisoned Hector so that he could keep all of his song. So Ernesto could keep the songs and become a famous musician, which he did. Um, and then, Ernesto kind of realizes if he lets Miguel go back to the land of the living, he might um, basically ruin Ernesto's afterlife by exposing him. Because remember, living are basically the people that determine the worth of dead people. Yeah. When it really boils down to it, yeah. like, mo- the most people rem- remember ernesto so like he lives in this giant mansion and yeah gets all these offerings and it's a good yeah. way of looking at it yeah so well, i don't like that um anyway so ernesto kind of freaking out about this basically locks hector and miguel up um knowing full well that miguel will die like die and then be stuck in the spirit world if he keeps them there past sunrise. Um, but he doesn't want to ruin his reputation, so he's willing to kill a small child. Spoiler alert, we will be having a villain ra- villain rating at the end of this podcast. Um, but yeah, so at this point then, 
Hector or Miguel kind of realizes Hector's his father and they start talking about things um, and then they figure out a way out. Um, the Miguel's other family basically finds them, tracks them down and gets them out of this pit that they were stuck in. I said locked up, but it's just dropped them down a really big hole, basically yeah. like a well cavern kind of thing. Um, so they get him out and what was Miguel's like great, great grandma's name? Um, it started with an I, I believe. Um, I just had it in front of me. Give me one oh, Imelda. Yep. Imelda. Imelda is his great, great grandmother. Um, so Imelda and Hector kind of get into it a little bit. Um, Miguel helps explain why Hector never returned home to his family. She's still pretty pissed off, but agrees to help Hector or help get the picture of Hector back from Ernesto so that Miguel can put it up on Alpharenda. There's this whole kind of back and forth. Um, and then they find where Hector or Ernesto is. Ernesto's playing a big show the sunset show or sunrise show at the end of the day of the dead at this big concert hall and so they go there um kind of try to sneak in break in whatever to get this picture back and they run in, like they break in and they run into ernesto almost immediately which i kind of thought was weird like they finally sneak their way through they turn a corner and they're talking about ernesto he's like oh that's me i don't know whatever um, for not find Ernesto, they kind of have this big battle thing, and then in that weird classic villain getting exposed way, the way only the dumbest villains are able to do it, they basically go off on a monologue about how they did all of their evil doings, and somebody turns a TV camera or records them saying that and broadcasts it. Like, that's like this weird trope. Is there a name for that trope? I don't know. But, like, you, like you've like you seen that exact scene in plenty of movies. Yeah, definitely. I don't know what you'd call that or what that originally came from. Yeah. But, but yeah, like, villains just going off, like, about to kill some people, and somebody's, like, recording it and broadcasting it to a bunch of people around. Um... But yeah, Ernesto tries to throw Miguel off the top of this giant building, which I don't know. I mean, I'm no Land of the Dead doctor, but like, if he's in Land of the Dead, does like getting thrown off a building really matter? Um, like none of, and that doesn't matter to any of the skeletons. Like they just kind of like pop back together. I don't know. Everybody seemed to think he was gonna die. Yeah. So they treated it as such. Um, but Miguel gets saved by like some spirit animals that I kind of glossed over throughout the whole thing. It was like a, it was a storyline, but not like a super important one. Right. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Um, but yeah, they save him, expose Ernesto. And, um, during this final scene, Hector is basically getting forgotten. Um, so the only person in the land of the living that remembers Hector is Miguel's great great or great grandma Coco, and Coco again is losing her memory. So Hector's slowly being forgotten, 
and he's dying the final death. Um, they send Miguel back to the real world. Miguel rushes off to his grandma and or great grandma plays this song called Remember Me, um, which kind of sparks his great grandma's memory a little bit. Yeah. We don't it was kind of weird until like the the actual like scene right before the end credits. Um, we don't know if it worked, which is kind of weird. Like he assumed right. it worked because yeah. it's Pixar. But, like, Miguel has no way of knowing if it worked or not. Like, if he did it in time. Right? Like, he's got to live the rest of his life wondering, did he actually save his great-great-grandfather from dying forever? Or the final death. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of weird. But either way, yeah. Basically, a, another classic Pixar happy ending. Um, the family also kind of gets over their whole hatred of music thing because it helped their great grandma remember them. Yes. That well and that and then one year later um great grandma Coco has passed on but um great great grandfather Hector and great great grandmother is it Ibella? Or what'd you say? Um, um Imelda. Imelda. Um they they're back. So they've mm. they've gotten there. Yeah, they get to come back to the land of the living because they've had their f- photos make it onto the um, offerenda. The offerenda. It's a nice little scene at the end there where you see that Hector's face has been stitched back in. So yeah, um, so that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, it's pretty much the movie. Another another Pixar happy ending. But yeah, honestly, until I was explaining it there, didn't really think about like. Miguel actually having no idea whether or not Hector made it. And won't for the rest of his life. Like, because Hector was about to die. But, like, let's say he did die the final death. And then, um, then Coco remembers him. Well, he, he's with Coco in the afterlife. Well, no, I know that. But, like, Miguel doesn't know that. Because Miguel can't see the dead people, remember? Like none of the, none of the living people see the dead people. Yeah. So like, and because Hector was basically dead right before Miguel ran back. I think it's implied enough. I don't well, know. it's implied enough, but Miguel can never know, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. I think he knows through the power of love, Nate. Don't start that that's shit. What with this movie's me. all about marigolds and the power of love, man. <laughs> Summer of '69. <laughs> Peace and love, bro. Yeah. 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 Well, that's that's Coco. That's Coco. A lot of really cool visuals in this movie. Very pretty movie. Um, Yeah. They present death in a really beautiful, unique way. And also the scenes um, in Mexico are just really awesome. I think the lighting in this is stellar, standout, top-notch compared to anything we've seen from Pixar. Really, really pretty, really bright tropical vibes and uh a lot of neon colors a lot of neon they did a good job like chain like blending those neon colors which i imagine would have been very difficult because you're dealing with like two very bright colors and like how they're gonna play farther out from a light source but then meet in the middle without Mm -hmm. it doing like the spotlight kind of thing where 
like a cartoon spotlight. It'll shine one and it'll shine another, but it just shows circles. Right. Like you can't do that. But yeah. Yeah. No, it looked really good. Um, top five looking Pixar films that we've seen so far, for me at least. A lot Absolutely. going on. A lot of really intricate line work. Um, yeah. Especially when they like got in the realm of the dead. Like all the characters had really unique like pinstriping and stuff on their face and crazy designs. Um, yeah. Super intricate, I would say, the animation on this one. Yeah. A lot um, of big set pieces. Huge. Um, but yeah. Why don't, we, uh, why don't we do a short break here. Grab another little brew. Oh yeah, we gotta review this beer. I we shouldn't have drank it so beer. quick. It was tasty. Let's uh let's review this real quick and then we'll uh we'll go to our break. All right, all right. KBS from Founders. Um, KBS from AutoZone Founders. This beer review on Founders KBS comes to you from AutoZone. Please don't drink and jive, but remember that AutoZone is your premier place for new auto parts and remembering your loved ones. COVID keeping you home. AutoZone.com. Free home delivery on orders over fifty dollars now. Use promo code. S-U-D-Z, to get 5% off your first order from AutoZone. And uh, back to the KBS. Um, got just like a little sip left here. I know, I, like I said, I really wish I would have saved some to like actively review. Um, I'm going to start off with this, and it might be kind not a hot take, but I got nothing against the beer. Um... I think it's a really done, well done, barrel aged stout. But I don't know what's what it's supposed to do to set it apart from other barrel aged stouts I've had. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just a well done barrel aged stout. I don't, I didn't get any like excessive burn, which is nice. I mean, that's pretty common in a lot of barrel aged stouts, or a lot of yeah, high octane stouts. Um, I did really enjoy the flavor, because um, we got what, what were the notes supposed to be on this one? Like I didn't, I didn't get much like any fruit or like raisin, chocolate coffee and oak. Okay. Um, the chocolate was definitely there, but um, this beer taught us that patience truly is a virtue. KBS is a big imperial stout brewed with a massive amount of coffee and chocolate and then bourbon barrel aged to perfection. Incredibly silky and full bodied with notes of vanilla, cocoa, roasted coffee, and charred oak. And this particular bottle is, uh, whew, it's been conditioning for a little while. It was oh. bottled, uh, in January. Oh, damn. So, Almost a year old. Yeah. Well, eh. Um, yeah, I, I got nothing against the beer. I just, I don't know. It didn't, didn't pop for me. Um, I think I'm coming in at like, uh, I'm going to do a three, eight on this. I thought it was really well done, but it didn't, I wouldn't call it like a standout. Fair enough. Well, three, eight from Nate on the KBS. Um, I'm going to be a bit higher I really enjoy this beer. It's been a few years since I've had it. It is a it's a big beer in terms of alcohol coming in at 12%. It does have a little bit of heat behind it, but uh, 
that heat quickly mellows out with that kind of smooth, a little bit woody finish. Um, it, I do get a little saltiness from this beer. Hmm. Like there was something about it that kind of like sat on my tongue and almost like, I don't know, wanted me going back in for more. A little like soy saucy kind of. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I really like this beer. This is one that uh, is definitely worth checking out. Uh, I think it's still a hundred percent on beer advocate. It is still a hundred percent on beer advocate. Uh, we are not the acclaimed, uh, source for reviews that beer advocate is, but, uh, we try yeah. to do our best. I don't know. Like I said, looking through that beer advocate list today, I was like, I don't know. I've had some of these beers, haven't had some of them, but I'm like, it's just, it's all stouts. It's all Hazy or New England IPAs, some West coast, but like. No. The list didn't didn't do a lot for me on that list. Yeah, I disagreed with some of them as well. A lot of toppling Goliath. A lot of toppling Goliath. But uh, KBS from Founders, still pretty high for me. I'm going to put it at a 4.5. I like it. It's a strong beer that I don't want all the time. We're splitting a 12-ounce bottle and I can feel it. <laughs> it's heavy. It's wearing me down feel like i need some coffee to like reverse the effects of this <laughs> of the coffee stout yeah yeah yeah. I get um that. but uh yeah thoroughly enjoyed this uh would buy again will buy again and um yeah 4.5 4.5 from Big E. there you go <laughs> well three eight and four five on the founders kbs we're gonna take a quick little break and we'll be right back with some cocoa fun facts what's up everybody and welcome back it's time for our second beer of this afternoon or morning or whatever time it is when you're listening exactly that's when we're recording this whatever time you're listening at yeah what are we drinking this is all coming to you live (laughs) um we're drinking the Lagunitas Stereo Hoppic IPA, uh, Volume 2. So we've got in this one Elixir Hops and Laurel Hops. Description I got here, uh, Stereo Hoppic series or series channels our 25-plus year hop love affair into a spotlight on two special varieties at a time and the interestingness that it happens or that happens between Second volume shows what happens when the elusive Alstian elixir hop and its resiny spicy notes mingle with the Yakima, yeah, Yakima's noble and floral laurel hop. Tell us what you think. And then Lagunita's phone number. Damn. Never had beer try to slip me a phone number before. (laughs) Yeah. So there you go. Let's, uh, let's uh, crack open the conversation. This is my kind of beer. I love the look of this already. Ooh, that's got a nice smell. Yes, very floral. Very floral. Well, what do you say I take it away with some uh, facts of the fun variety? That's good. I haven't, I haven't talked shit in a little while yet. Well, since we took a few weeks off from the Pixar, I came in with some extra fun facts. So I guess I'll let you and the audience be the judge of that. Is that, or are you pointing at me, or are you pointing at our, our listeners? Well, you and the audience. You can oh, be okay. both right now. Yeah, that's fair. You're, yeah, 
got like 10 people listening. Uh, so here we go. Did you know, beginning production in 2011, Coco was in development for six years before it was released. Uh, this film set a Pixar record for being uh, a Pixar animated film with the longest production schedule. So while we had some films that like the titles or maybe the rough concept was come up with earlier, mm-hmm. this actually had the longest um, production schedule. So six years. That's what it took sense. to make this movie. It's a long time. I mean, again, you're watching it like with all of that lighting, all of the like the crazy characters, how all of that's interacting. I mean, again, like harp on it one more time. I don't care. Every time you see even like one thing move, like whether it be a shadow, just like a small light scooting around, like some that was somebody's job to make that happen and hone that in every little scene. And yeah, with all, again, with all these neon bright lights playing off of each other, I can't imagine the lighting was <laughs> anything short of a miracle to get done. Well, I'm glad you uh, you mentioned the lighting because that brings me to my next fun fact, which is an astonishing 7 million lights were created for the opening shot of The Land of the Dead. This one shot took years for animators to dream up and finish creating. I'm shocked. So, shocked, million. I tell you. Uh, next fun fact. Did you know uh, this film actually had a different title in Brazil? Uh, in Brazil, the title of Coco was changed to Viva a Vida e Uma Festa because the word Coco means poop there. Um, naturally, you can see why Disney decided to change the title of the film in this country. So, I didn't look into clarification. I'm not sure if um, maybe uh, one of our... Um, uh, fluent Spanish or Portuguese listeners, if you're out there, uh, can reach out and give us the answer. But uh, I'm curious if Coco is poop and like if, if that's uh, Spanish slang in in Brazil or if that's a Portuguese term. You know what I mean? Mm, okay. Because uh, that was something that I was brushing up on again today was like the difference between Hispanic and Latino. But uh, Latino implies, like, deriving from Latin America. Yes. Which would not be Spain. Correct. However, if you were Hispanic, you could be a Hispanic from Brazil. But there's also people that speak Portuguese from Brazil, and they would not identify as Hispanics. Okay. Because I think that's one of those countries that's got a pretty big 50-50 in. You know, I would guess those are the two... Two big ones. Two big languages, maybe third English there, but um, I don't know. Curious what they changed uh, the great grandma's name to. Because her name was Coco. Because mm. whatever that title you just read off, there's no way they'd named her that. Viva Vida y Uma Festa, yeah. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but... Can you imagine, like, every time Hector, like, mentions Coco in the movie, they just, like, I'm just imagining, like, a cutout soundbite. Like, they almost pause the movie, insert that soundbite, and then pop it back in. 
which is kind of why I was wondering the language, because I know this movie was released, the soundtrack and the film, in a number of different languages. So I'm wondering if they had to omit it in the Portuguese, Spanish, or both. But I don't know. I don't know. That seems like a, a an expensive change. Yeah. Big production change when it's uh, your titular character. Uh-huh. Anyways, moving along. I kind of put my head in a, a twister and a pretzel. Um, did you know that grossing $154 million in just four weeks in the Chinese box office, Coco was more popular in China than in the U.S.? Huh. That sounds weird, but yeah. I also got to say it's not by a lot. This film earned $150 million in the U.S. during its first month, so $4 million more in China on a film that grows to over 150 in both markets so not a huge change i mean we're talking a couple percent but yeah. uh still pretty crazy it's a lot of movie tickets that's at least four movie tickets yeah maybe five if you get a budget seat that's just a weird thing like to me like I don't know it, it is kind of weird like market to market like when there's huge differences in box office yeah like when they're close that almost makes more sense but like when there's just like yeah ridiculously different numbers and and overseas box offices it's it's very strange to me yeah definitely um earning over 43 million dollars in mexico coco became both the highest grossing animated film and highest grossing film ever in the country. So animated and just film in general. Um, it surpassed uh, Marvel's The Avengers, which previously held the coveted title for highest grossing film. So, Shucks, Disney got beat out by Disney. Yeah. I bet they're real bummed. Who would have thunk it? Huh. Um, now we're talking cameos here. So uh, did you know the Pizza Planet truck appears in this film? Uh, Pretty pizza- early. Yes. Also. Can be seen. Uh, did you catch it as well? Yep. Yeah. So and I feel like I miss it most of the time. Yeah, we've but missed the... it for the last few. Yep. Um, yeah, I was glad you caught that. I did as well. I felt proud of myself. Um, scene driving by the front of uh, Miguel's house at the beginning of the film. Um, and then, uh, actually, I thought this was kind of funny too. Um, when Miguel is making his way out to the plaza, he takes a shortcut through their mercado. And... When he's running through there, one of the vendors is actually selling pinatas that resemble Woody from Toy Story. Uh, thought that was kind of funny. And there's a couple other cameos here, too. We see, like, a Mike Wazowski doll. Um, there's also a spot here where, um, on the way into the talent show, uh, Miguel and Hector walk past a poster for The Incredibles, which was funny because Incredibles 2 would have been coming up after this film. So mm-hmm. there's this theory that maybe it was promotional material, but in the Incredibles poster, it's like the classic Incredibles movie poster where they're all in the red suits and it's all their faces, but they're all dead in the poster. What? Yeah. So there's this. Go look this up. There's a skeleton poster of the Incredibles on a wall right before the talent show, and it's actually pretty hilarious. Um, I how did I miss that? It's pretty quick, um, but uh, it's oh, like... Oh, yep, yep, they, they are also, You find it? Yeah, I found it. Um, 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's it's like the the movie one poster. I love Baby Jack Jack. He's just a little skeleton guy. Yep. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, huh. That's pretty nice. Like, them and their damn Easter eggs. That one's, like, super deep, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was kind of fun. I think that's about all we got for Easter eggs from other films. Um, oh, there's the... Um, wasn't there the one... Maybe, I mean, I guess anytime there's a skull in it. Um, but... During the um, the talent show in the Land of the Dead, um, you know, there's like all the different artists. Like there was the rock band, there was like the nuns playing accordion, but then there's that electronic artist who had like the the Skrillex haircut, whatever. But I'm pretty sure he was wearing like the Sid shirt. Oh, that could be. Yeah. I didn't notice that, but that would make sense. Like a little I could skull see that. on it. Yeah. 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 I was wondering if there's going to be a Skrillex bit. There's a Skrillex bit in um, uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Skrillex was in Wreck-It Ralph. Really? Yeah. Yep. I don't remember that. I'll pull up. Or... Was it Skrillex or Deadmos? No, it's Skrillex. Is it? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Skrillex in Wreck-It Ralph. Huh. I will also find that out because I don't want to be wrong. Uh, Anyways... Nate always wait until the show to do his homework. Hey. Um, I guess this isn't uh, so much an Easter egg, but maybe just proof that the uh, producers and writers of this film did their research. So in this film, uh, Frida Kahlo identifies Miguel's dog as a Zolo pup. And we can only assume filmmakers had uh, her identify the unique breed as the real Kahlo and her husband... Diego Rivera owned several of these pups and even included them in their artwork. So that was kind of a little deep cut that she is not only in this movie, but knows the breed of his dog, which is also the official national dog. Oh. So, of Mexico. Yeah. Uh, Skrillex was in uh, Racket Ralph. Well, there you the go. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Doing what? DJing. Wub, 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 wub. Yep. That's, that's what it looked like in the movie. It's like a very quick clip, but yeah. Weird. Yep. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, I don't know what to tell you, man. It's not about you. <laughs> no, it, it, it's not about you, Eric. Never has been. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Did you know, like everything else in this film, uh, the bright orange flowers seen throughout the Land of the Dead are symbolic of Dia de los Muertos. Um, the marigold is used during this holiday to help guide spirits to their family's ofrendas um also i mentioned to you off air it's the only living thing we see in that world um besides with the exception of miguel Mm -hmm. uh the world of the dead there's no life and it's a very bright world but that all comes from artificial light electricity we don't actually see any plants any trees any shadows we see are all shadows from you know stone structures buildings things like that Whereas um, the real world in Mexico, um, beautiful. Lots of plants, tropical plants, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a unique thing that really the marigolds are the only really form of life, I guess, in this world of the dead. I think the dead had to pay electricity bills. I don't know, man, but that should be exp- uh, expensive. That was... Yes. 
Shit looking like Tokyo up in there. I'm guessing no. They don't have to work, except for the security guards. Well, yeah, because that, that was like, we talked about that a little bit off air. Um, one of the scenes where Ernesto's like throwing people into dungeons and whatever. He's like, security, and like these security skeletons roll up. And it's like, can you imagine, I was telling Eric, can you imagine, like, you lived your life, made it to the afterlife, and now you're a security guard in the afterlife? Like, you did it, you made it. And you're like, ah, you know what I could do? Let's go back to work. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep doing that. I'm gonna, yeah. Like, for what? Kind of weird. Like, do you earn money doing this stuff? Like, is, is, do you buy things? Because you can't make things like the guitars people were getting. Like, that was where offerings left on the offerendas. Yeah. So like, what do you need the money for? I guess is my question. Right. Yeah, I didn't think of that till you pointed it out. What are you buying? You skeletons got to buy. Yeah. Oh man. I don't know. It's a little weird. I didn't do it. Um. I thought this was a fun one. Uh, did you know when you see anyone playing the guitar in Coco, they're actually playing the correct notes using videos of musicians who had cameras attached to their guitars as a reference. Animators were able to make the guitar playing in the movie authentic. Now, I know you're taking a deep breath because it sounds sounds pretty freaking extra, right? No, I... You, you do your thing. Do your thing. I, as someone who is not a musician but has dabbled in the film side of it, not so much music videos, um, haven't been on a ton of those shoots, been on a couple of them, but I know just kind of brushing shoulders with people on the musical side of it and also people on the film side of it huge huge sticklers for that especially like percussionists watching a drummer in a video and not playing the right notes um you can probably mask it for some instruments easier than others and you can probably mask it with certain styles of filming you know obviously things like lighting things like having camera movement you know if you have a guitar player who's holding their guitar real low in the frame and maybe they got long hair and they're kind of huddled over it and they're in a shadow might be easier to mask that but when you're in on a drummer who doesn't have a huge kit and isn't playing like blast beats it's going to be pretty easy to tell when he's playing the, the right notes and when he's not. Um, I'm pretty sure. Let's see. Because for that, it just becomes a matter of like synchronize synchronization. Like yes. it's like, easy I'm, to tell. Like exactly. Like when when it comes to guitar plays, and that's why I was like, I really my thing. The deep breath was like, I really really appreciate them doing that. Yeah. Because like drumming, yeah, drumming in music videos even once like i if i catch it once i'm like okay like i know i know they're not playing the song like i know this isn't a live recording and i get that Mm -hmm. but holy shit like it can take you out of it yeah um actually uh who make sure who did it um i think it was i think it was a spike lee um when he did the, was it Coach Eyes? 
Yeah, Coach has. I'm pretty sure it was Spike Lee. Um, they did a music video for um, Audio Slave. Um, oh, yeah. Um, Spike Jones. Spike Jones, not yeah. Spike Lee. Spike Jones. It said Spike Lee. It didn't feel right. Spike Jones did that. And, like, opening scene, like, it's got this, like, like running guitar kind of thing and, like, drums building up a little bit. And it shows the band riding up this giant, um, like, freight elevator up to the top of this construction site. The first note that the drummer hits when he, like, sits down on the seat. Like, the music's already kind of playing, but it's a build-up scene. And then he sits down when, like, the drums really come in. First note he hits is wrong. Really? The first one. And I, oh, I hated it. I hated it so much. Damn. Like, it's supposed to be on the floor tom and he hits the snare and then like it cuts away from him and then it cuts back but it's like the first scene you see when they're actually playing their instruments and it drives that's me weird that's insane that seems like it's like a stage shot it would be an easy fix especially if he walks in and sits down and it's the first note like that's not a matter of somebody picking the wrong b-roll yep. that's just total misdirection like yep. i i it haunts me it truly because like growing up my brother was like yeah brother's still super into music but like he had this like whole collection like this dvd collection of like yeah um yeah spike's music videos that he did and like they were really cool and i remember watching that when i was like that's wrong like that's not it's not the drum that he needs to be hitting and i get it's haunted me ever since damn yeah I'm going to watch that once we go off air here. Yeah. All right. But uh, thank you to the animators for doing it right. Threw that fun fact in there just for you. Because I... (laughs) The people that know, it will drive them insane. Yes. Yep. It's it's weird how much it it has the ability to take you out of it. When you know that's not what it was supposed to be. Yes, definitely. And that brings me to my final fun fact. So, uh... Pay attention in this film, and you'll see that the Land of the Dead uh, is home to quite a bit of outdated technology use. Uh, Keep an eye out for a 1980s Macintosh computer, walkie-talkie radios, and a number of other uh, dated pieces of tech. Um, This is seen as fitting, since uh, as of today, most of these objects are obsolete or dead. So That's fun. And the Macintosh is also kind of a a double whammy as far as jokes go because it's old and you know paying homage to the late great steve jobs who yeah who uh yeah owns pixar well he backed pixar back pretty pixar, heavily in the early yes. years built their tech but uh weirdly enough not a ton of fun facts about the music for this film but i do kind of want to riff on the music a little bit so we're gonna roll it'd right into a, that be a crime if you didn't yeah I'll list what I got here, and then we can kind of talk about that more in detail. Um, but so this film's score was composed by Michael Giacchino. Um, songs for this film were written by Jermaine Franco, Adrian Molina, Robert Lopez, and Kristen Anderson Lopez, with also performances from multiple artists, including Miguel, uh, not the same as the titular character no or not even the titular character but our protagonist um 
But yeah, so a number of people working on the soundtrack, but fronted by uh, probably the man who's got our most credits at this point, Michael Giacchino. I think he's beat out Randy Newman now. Probably. But uh, this would not have been a good fit for Randy Newman. No. 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 Um, Just thinking of that. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> so the soundtrack for this film, it was uh, pretty long. A lot of stuff on there. A lot of great songs. Um, original tunes from the the um, film. Lyrical tunes as well as um, just kind of transitional songs and stuff. Um, but the music in this film, it's pretty dense. It's a nice layered soundtrack where it gets a I'm going to hold off on what I was about to say. But anyways, um, it's soundtrack at the 90th Academy Award ceremony. Um, the song from the soundtrack, Remember Me won the award for best original song um which is we hear a couple renditions of that song throughout the film but um even make jokes in the movie about how like oh that song's overdone yes yeah which was fun the other thing i was going to say that i said i was going to hold off on um so originally this film was meant to be a break into song musical um and this was it, it was this way till pretty late into production. As a matter of fact, uh, one piece that survived in storyboard until late into the production was an expository song that explained the Mexican holiday to viewers to begin the film. Um, and another song, Miguel's mother explains the tradition of shoemaking in their family and how this means he's not allowed to pursue music. So a lot of kind of exactly what we didn't like with um, the... Uh, the one song in cars oh yeah where it was like this like our town or whatever yeah where it loses all nuance where it's just like describing what's going on on the screen right and that's almost what we got with this film but we didn't instead rather we got a film about music that isn't necessarily uh, a musical and i love that and one could, you know, if someone wants to argue that this is a musical, You'd I'll be, give it to no, you. I will not. You would be wrong. Uh, you, you're wrong. Just because there's music in it does, and people perform music doesn't make it a musical. Like musicals, like those songs advance. There is much of the storyline as like any speaking parts. But this isn't a musical. This is a song about music's role. Like you, it's like a subtle difference, but it's a very important difference. I would categorize it as the latter, like what you described, but it would be, this film would be hard for me to argue with someone who doesn't call it a musical because it's more than just like, um, you know, a film like Almost Famous or a film like, I don't even know, um, Bohemian Rhapsody or something like that. Like this is more than just like, a road movie where they go to concerts. I mean, even when there's action on the screen, it's like the same kind of jangly mariachi guitar. I mean, it's this movie's identity is rooted in music and the body of this film is made up by, you know, Miguel playing this thing that he's not supposed to be playing, you know, following after his, his, um, I don't know. It's, like, I'm torn. I'm very torn. I think 
it kind of defies that idea that musical has to be a movie where your whole plot is explained in song. But like that's that's kind of like the end all be all of a musical is like your plot is is developed in the song. In this movie, shy of remember me, like none of the songs really mattered. Like remember me had like a key part in the movie, but none of the songs like you wouldn't you could mute it during every song played. And you would know as much about the movie as I did. Yeah. Like it, the the songs weren't a plot device. So I would categorize that as not a musical. Again, more or less playing devil's advocate here. But I could see where one would say that this is a musical. Probably not how I'd categorize it. But um, I don't have an issue with that labeling. If you want to duke this out in the alley, whoever thinks this is a musical fight me <laughs> nate has gone full heel as of this yep, episode i will go full heel on this i will not give you an inch on this it's not a musical all right all right i'm not saying i like musicals i've talked about this probably on the show i know i've told eric i play musicals not a big fan of them like it's not something i would watch i, I like playing them watching them is not something that i enjoy interesting yep it's just that I, I don't I don't know. I don't like that plot device. Playing them or listening to them? Playing them. Like, like actually, yeah. Like I've I've been hired to do a good number of them, but like I won't go and I won't go to a musical. Sure. Like if they yeah. don't if it's like a Broadway musical and they got all the cool sets, it's sure. But like Broadway musicals are also one of those where like most of the time going into it you already know what the movie is. Like you know what the plot was. They just change some of it to do with songs, and so you can kind of focus more on the sets and everything. But the the musical part of it is not something that I particularly enjoy. Yeah, I don't like the songs as a plot device. It's never been my scene, but I, I have a, a lot of respect for it. I think it's impressive people that that do that and tour those. A lot of work, a lot of uh, rehearsing for for one big night that you got to take on the road. It's a uh, it's a lot of damn work. It's impressive. But, uh, yeah, that's about all I got for music in this film. I really did like the music. I thought mm -hmm. the, the songs were nice. They were pleasant. They fit with what we were seeing on the screen and were thought-provoking without being too on the nose. Um, overall, I, I really like this movie. Yeah, this one I'm definitely going to watch again. Um, Do we want to take a quick little break and come back with uh, our final film review and our villain review as well as our final beer review i'm down for it all right well we're gonna take one last final break and we'll be right back with some rankings stay tuned what's up everybody and we are back for our final segment that's right ratings and reviews what do we think of this beer? What do we think of this movie? And was there a villain that makes our season worst dastardliest villains list? We've got the answers for you right now. So starting with the beer. <laughs> um, this was Lagunitas, one of my favorite breweries. Stereo Hopic. Stereo being a play on the, uh, the music of this film. 
and the stereo that he listened to Ernesto out of and the TV. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a really good beer. Um, probably going to go down as one of the episodes this season where I rank the highest on the beers. We're only doing two today, but yep. this is also going to be in the fours and high in the fours. I'm going to give it a 4.6. Hot damn. Okay. Um, Hang on. Oh, I was gonna. I was wondering if you had like reasoning. This is what I look for when I look for an IPA. Something that's nice and golden colored. You swear it was like a light ale, a lager maybe at a glance, and then you dive in and it's just got that nice amount of bubbles, that nice amount of bitterness, nice amount of floral uh, aroma and taste from the hops. It's uh, yeah, big fan of this one. Lagunitas coming through again. A front runner when it comes to the uh, style of West Coast IPAs. Check them out. Lagunitas, uh, California location, and Chicago. Um, might might call them. You know, <laughs> like keep please keep doing what you're doing because yeah, you're right. As far as like West Coast styles go, every every West Coast style I've had from them, it's just it's been fantastic. Stellar man. Yeah. They know what they do well, and yeah. they well, continue to do it. And now that I know this is a series, it's literally just like they pick two hops and see kind of what they would do together, but in like a light, not overdone. Because like, you know, it's kind of when it comes to like hazies where you got like, you know, maybe a blend of like three or four hops going on and it's a ton of it. Like, it's kind of hard to pick out what each hop is bringing to that beer. Um, yes. Like... I can taste the blend of it, but it's a little overkill sometimes. But with beers like this, you're like, oh, I can kind of identify what's happening. Also, just another reason I love session IPAs. Give me all the sessions. We should make a Chicago trip to Lagunitas. That'd be pretty cool. I'd be down for that. Is there is there a Disney World in Chicago? No, but you already bailed on the Disney World plans. For everyone listening... Um, I have not bailed on the Disney World plans. Nate's... I can have two plans at once. Really? You're going to get vacation time for that? Yes. Hey, yeah, better find a new job. <laughs> Don't yell at me. We'll do it December, and then my vacation time refreshes January, and then I'll burn it January. I think, uh, I think we got a new character for you. Vacation Nathan. I have been wearing a lot of tropical shirts recently. I know. Your vacation, <laughs> Nathan. Uh, Gethard Show had uh, vacation Jason, who was kind of like his arch nemesis, the antithesis to everything he represented. And I feel like, you know, you're kind of you're kind of vacation, Nathan. Are you saying I hate vacations? No. I'm well, saying you're just always checked out. You're always like ooh, on a mental vacation. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Like your body might say I'm working, but your mind is like... I'm like 12 drinks deep on a beach. I'm always 12 drinks deep, Eric. Yeah, I know. Damn. Damn, I know. getting getting roasted out here. Is it, the, is it the weather outside here in sunny California, or is it just Eric, you know, heating up this studio? It's actually pretty sunny outside. It was kind of a dreary morning, but it's oh, not bad. I like it. I we like don't it. get a lot of rain here, but... Uh, not here in sunny California. No. Um... Uh, <laughs> Um, but anyway, stereo hopping. So you got 4.8. Anything else to add? No, 4.5? What'd you say? You got it wrong twice, Nate. Let's try that one more time. See if you're actually 4. listening. 4.3. <sighs> you got it wrong three times. It's 4.6. Uh, ah, yeah, I see. Yeah, I said eventually. it. I did it. I did it. 
Yeah, process of uh, four eliminations. <laughs> it's like only it's less than half the numbers I could have guessed. I remember there was a yeah, four. You failed that one. Well, whatever. Um, no, I gonna be kind of right there with you with this one. Um, this is really nice. There is like that. The floralness is like it's right on the nose, um, which is nice. I didn't. I didn't get the. Did you get any of the spiciness that I was talking about? No. No. I don't know what that was all about. No. No. Um, no, no, spicy. No, that's what I'm saying. We do make our own hot sauce. Which, by the way, have you tried that yet? Which we now, now all AutoZones carry. Um, all AutoZones are proud sponsors of the Suds Buds hot sauce. And Nate just officially got us in legal trouble. <laughs> you Anyways. Don't you don't know that. Um, but, yeah, big fan of that. Um probably gonna go a little bit lower than you uh i'm probably gonna go four four with this one or is that lower you gave it a four three (laughs) don't look at me like that it's giving me those disappointed eyes that only eric can give he's got headphones on and he still can't hear me (laughs) i know you gave it a four six eric my voice is like one of two voices coming in through his headphones and he still can't hear me uh, well, you know, I'm stereo hopped out, pal. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. Um, no, but yeah, I think I'm going to go 4-3 with this bad boy. Nice. Um, yeah, really nice flavor, really nice blend of all of it. Um, could use some more bubbles, but I can always use more bubbles. Yeah. yeah. Bubble boys. Yeah, that's what they call us. That's going to be our next podcast. The bubble boys. The bubble boys. Just rank carbonation level in drinks. Yeah, and we watch pro wrestling. Shit. <laughs> I actually caught some pro wrestling uh, down at... Um, prize? Yeah, prize yeah. this weekend. Yeah. On Sunday. How was it? Uh, it was fun. Uh, my roommate, we were like on our way back. We were just stopping in for one beer. And he's like, this is wild. I've never seen this in real life. I'm like, you want to you know, buy tickets, get closer? He's like, nah, I'm tired. So I didn't like get to get up close. But you kind of like walked by it. Yeah. Highly recommend some time. Go to a wrestling show with me. It's a good time. Uh, yeah, I grew up on that shit. I love it. It was goofy. Support a local wrestling show. Got to see a guy. He was pinned up on the ropes, but then, like, did this cool, like, lift onto the top ropes, run across the rope, kind of, and then kick a guy in the face. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Nice, yeah. A lot of guys on those, uh, the independent scene, as they call it, where you're not on, you know, TV, small little bar shows and whatnot. A lot of guys really trying to do some crazy shit to make their mark. Sometimes to their detriment, but also sometimes it's uh, what gets you on TV. And uh, to the people that know a little bit about wrestling out there, know that uh, 2021, today, now, is a great time for wrestling. It is thriving. It is alive and well. And if you're a young cat that's athletic and that's your dream, uh, more eyes on it now than ever and more more television time to get your, your stuff showcased. It's kind of wild how big of it is comeback it's been making recently it's big man shout out all elite wrestling tnt wednesdays and friday nights uh yeah you'll see a lot of guys from minnesota in there also they have their free show uh aew dark and aew elevation that goes on youtube each week watch it there for free you'll see a lot of guys that uh you know they're kind of getting their first shot some 19 20 21 year old kids just throwing it all out there and uh a lot of people from Twin Cities. Yeah. 
blood, sweat, and tears in that ring. Yeah, that's what that's what they all say. Just like we oh, put into the studio. Just like we put put in the studio. We should uh we should give each other some chair shots someday. I'd be down for that. Drink oh, a bunch of beers and give each other uh. I'd hit you with a chair. Yeah. I can get into you, that. You remember the old uh, school bus game hand tennis? No. That's something you ever played? No. Nope. Kind of like if we would both uh, put our hands out and grab each other like a handshake. And we'd oh just... yeah, and then you like you slap it back and forth. To see who pulls person. first. Yeah, calls mercy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We could do that, but like with folding chairs. <laughs> give you a shot. Brace, you give me one. You brace, give you one. Just see who falls first. I don't want to see any reinforced cha- folding chairs out here, Eric. Oh, we ain't using no gimmick chairs. We're using the real deal. Yeah, but I don't want to see yours reinforced. The little, you know. You could inspect it beforehand. Okay. If anything, it might have a little rust on it. Well, what's a little, what's a... What's a chair match without a little tetanus, you know? You know That's what yeah. I always say about them. That's what you always say. Mm-hmm. But I think people have had enough of, uh, 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 enough of us threatening each other. Um, sure. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I got a lot, maybe I got a lot more to give, but that's fine. We can we can move on here. Yeah. Our 10 less listeners, uh, let us know. <laughs> um... What do we got? Uh, let's do. Let's get that villain rating out of the way here. Yeah. Um, I'm putting. Uh, We're I'm putting, tied. Yeah, I'm putting Ernesto. We're both putting Ernesto at uh, number three here. Number three. Who's number three? Number three. Who's number three? I thought it was number four. No, number, number four. No, it was number three. Both did number three. Replacing Lotso. Yeah. Well, you replaced. Yeah, we both replaced Lotso. Yes. Yep. Um, but behind for me, it's behind uh, Syndrome and Evelyn. Yeah, I got, I got uh, Ernesto right in front of Syndrome, but behind Evelyn. Evelyn was trying. Who else to... is he behind? Huh? Who else is it behind? Behind Syndrome. Well, Miles Axelrod's number one. Oh, for you, that's yeah, right. Yeah, Shit, yeah, Miles. Miles Axelrod is, dude. That dude. All he wanted to do was just kill celebrities on live television. So that he could sell more gasoline, and so that they wouldn't get cleaner burning gasoline. Um, but with Ernesto, I mean, it was weird because like he didn't really come out as a villain until the last forty-five minutes, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you didn't even meet the the dead version of the character until yeah the last forty-five minutes. Or, like, last hour, and then there's, like, that weird 15-minute pal-around scene. Right. And then, yeah, then he straight up, yeah, tries to, he locks up, or we find out he poisoned Hector to steal his songs. I loved that little bit. That was very, like, um, um, what's the word for it? Like, the, is it telenovela? Like, the, um, like, the Spanish soap operas. Oh. It had a very much of that vibe where it was like very deep. Like, it's not like your typical American soap, bro. It's like, no, you didn't break my heart. You broke my heart, and then you're taking my name and likeness and like <laughs> taking my music, and then you poisoned me. I mean, it's just like, just put the dagger to the heart and then twist it. It's just, I don't know. It's got a whole deep layer of just emotional betrayal. Like, if you ever get the chance, watch some like. I think telenovela is what they're called. But if you ever get a chance, like some 80s soap operas, god damn. 
That shit, you don't even have to know what they're saying. And it's like, she is not happy with him. Like, that woman is heartbroken. Like, oh my God. Out for blood. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Phenomenal. But, like, in, in the comparison, like, Lotso was, I mean, Ernesto was basically just trying to pres- preserve his legacy. He did shitty things before and was kind of, yeah, he was fine with what he had done. Um, but then, essentially, to preserve his legacy, decides that he would kill our main character and, yeah, force him into the afterlife just for the chance that that kid might ruin part of his legacy. Um, so, yeah, that wasn't great. Um, still not quite as evil as Lotso. Lotso did some pretty bad shit. Um, but... He's up there. He's right up there. So tied at number three. Then for our final film ranking, I'm putting this at number seven. Yeah. Number seven. That puts it, what, right below? Um, Right above Wally. Right above Toy Story 4, I believe. Yeah, I think so. And then right below... Be Monsters, Inc.? No, you no. didn't put Monsters, Inc. Up, maybe? Could be, yeah. Yeah, I have to look again. But number seven. Number seven for me. Um, again, we'll have the full list at the end of this year. It might might uh, get switched up a little bit. but. Um, for me, number eight, this one went uh, right above Finding Nemo. Um, but just below Toy Story 4, I believe, if I remember right. Yep, that's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a solid flick. Um, kept pretty good pacing. Yeah, really good pacing. Um, points for this film, I would say go to the fact that it is original. It's not a film that has a sequel yet, nor does it need one. Um, I mean, if they decide to go that route, I guess you could probably do something. But I think it's a pretty nice standalone piece. It was nice to see Pixar do something unique and standalone. I mean, even though we talked about The Good Dinosaur, but especially Mm -hmm. in this time where Pixar was just sequel city. You know, we're talking Incredibles, we're talking Toy Story, we're talking um, uh, Monsters U, like... And those were all... Well, Incredibles 2 was good, Toy Story 4 was good, Monsters U, I did not enjoy really um and and another thing that i think stands out for this film is miguel great protagonist i mean especially if we look at the other standalone pixar films as much as i like arlo i think miguel's a much more you know uh uh, an easier protagonist to emotionally attach to versus arlo versus maybe even remy from ratatouille versus um flick from Bugs Life. I know you love Bugs Life, but I think uh, Miguel, I think there, it can sometimes be hard for a child actor, especially, to come through in an animated film. Mm-hmm. It can be really tough. And I think Miguel is a character that from the get go, you know, we see him so heartbroken and so relatable. You know, it's even if you haven't had a family member tell you you couldn't do something, you know, you know someone who has. And I think Miguel through and through is just a really. Um, strong lead protagonist, um, especially being in the role of like 
uh, a child character played by a child actor. I think it's uh, pretty impressive on that actor and on Pixar's part. Yeah. Um, I. It's kind of weird. Like, you, you feel for the kid almost instantly. Yeah. You know, you, like, you understand, like, the family's trying to help. Like, because it's weird, like, trying to frame it. You know, kids are stubborn. And they don't always know what's best for them. But, like, framing it through, like, kind of the kid's eyes with this. So, like, you don't necessarily, like, see that the things the things the family is doing. You only see, like, the downsides. And, yeah. Um, but you're right. Miguel is super easily, easily related to pretty early on. Most definitely. But I think that uh, double deep sigh signals the end of this show. We mm-hmm. appreciate you joining us. As always, episodes drop every Thursday, wherever you find podcasts. That's uh, song, sorry, SoundCloud, Spotify, Pod FM, and iTunes. Um, Pod we, MN. Did I say FM? Yeah. Pod MM. M- MN. MN. Not MM. MN. MNM. Eric's Eric's drunk. I'm not drunk. Looks like I'm going to have to take our trip to AutoZone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We are the Suds Buds. You can find us on social media at SudsBudsPod or at Gmail at SudsBudsPod at gmail.com. Feel free to start fights with us there. (laughs) Love it. Ask Anna from the internet who took us to court. (laughs) Uh yeah. That's uh that's that. That's a wrap. If you need uh auto parts, go to autozone.com for all your auto needs. Autozone slash sudsbudspod at at gmail.com. Promo code S U D Z for fifty percent off your grill. <laughs> Shout out to Alex. God damn it. We need to go. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>